a 10th century depiction of Stephen's martyrdom. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and, yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. New International Version Although I am a trained in biblical exegesis and hermeneutics, interpreting scripture, I believe that most insights come from making simple observations about the text. So, I want to point out, Stephen was not martyred by the Romans, a religiously pagan group, or Gentile people, he was martyred by those of his own ethnicity, by the people of God. They weren't simply unhappy with Stephen. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, were incensed with him, so mad that they were grinding their teeth at him. The council truly believed Stephen was a blasphemer of God, that what he was saying was so subversive and religiously radical, they could stone him to death with a clear conscience, as if it were upholding God and God's law. The result was not only the death of a humble man, it also sparked an intense persecution against the church which caused a new Christian diaspora. Many believers in Jesus now found themselves as Christian refugees trying to eke out a living and worshipping Christ in foreign places. I wish I could say the greatest opposition I've ever experienced as a Christian came from non-Christians who simply misunderstood and misinterpreted me. However, my most hurtful wounds have come from the hands of church folk, believing they were acting on God's behalf by exacting an emotional martyrdom upon me with the stones of gossip, slander, backbiting, blame-shifting, and outright lying. Greater than never look down on anybody unless you're helping them up. Whenever I encounter persons who no longer attend church and have no intention of ever returning to any local congregation, I get it. I understand. I've been there. Yet, although the church is sometimes like a woman of disrepute, I still love her, and will do whatever I can to edify her and not repay evil with evil. Stoning a believer, either actually with physical rocks or virtually with metaphorical stones, is akin to persecuting Jesus himself. That's because Christ so closely identifies with his people that it is as if he is ahead and his followers are a body, joined together in a vital union. So, when Christ's body is subjected to hermeneutical hubris in which one group of people insists there is only one way to interpret Scripture, and then uses its authority and structures of power to force compliance on another group, the result is persecution. And that is precisely why Christians can abuse other Christians. Rather than discerning that all Christians belong to God, one narrow-minded and small-hearted group excludes all other groups who disagree with them as blaspheming the name of Christ. Insisting, for example, that a literal interpretation in the only means of understanding the Bible's authority is to ignore and abuse the actual and real authority which exists with the Bible. I am in no way encouraging an anything-goes type of approach to Holy Scripture that lets it say whatever you want it to say. What I am stating is that the biblical writers themselves employed different methods of interpretation, as well as the early church fathers, which is one reason I hold to the interpretive guides of the ancient Christian creeds, i.e. the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed. Far too often churches stick to a particular interpretation because they believe they are keeping biblical fidelity. This is many times born of a fear that Christendom will be lost, and society will sink into an abyss of egregious sin. 
The irony is that many churches are sinking into forms of abusive and ungracious behavior by fighting battles that Scripture itself never calls them to fight. The binary thinking of I'm right and you're wrong is not an approach you'll find in God's holy word. Even if the Sanhedrin in Stephen's day intended on upholding the holiness of their God and the rightness of their cause, the impact it had on the church was death and diaspora. Unfortunately, throughout Christian history, the tables have too often turned with Christians persecuting Jews. I myself would like to avoid being the persecutor. If I kill anything, may it be putting to death my own sin. Gracious God, as your Son humbled Himself on this earth, so may your Church walk continually in such humility that believers everywhere work together in unity for the sake of gospel of grace as a blessing to the world and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.